Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. As sports keeps coming back, so does your chance to bet on them with our exclusive wagering partner, BetOnline.ag. Major League Baseball's back, and BetOnline has all the odds, futures, and props for you to bet on. Also, tune in as Floyd Money Mayweather joins the BetOnline team in a new segment called The Ice is Right. Visit BetOnline.ag today to check out all the odds and up-to-date sports news. And don't forget to sign up and take advantage of all the welcome back-to-sports bonuses. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. You are listening to The Bird Calls on the Armchair All-American Network. For more on your Pelicans, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today. What's up, Pels fans? Welcome to another episode of the Bird Calls podcast. I'm your host and contributor to the Bird Rights and Bleacher Report, Preston Ellis. Today, I am rolling with editor-in-chief to the birdrights.com. The man safely returned to New Orleans and already watching 14 basketball games a day. The man who <laughs> always gives minutes to Frank Jackson, Mr. Ali Cosell. How enjoyable was last night? Oh, we needed it. Everybody needed that. Pels Nation was going to crumble. I purposely... Got off of Twitter at halftime of the Clippers game because I didn't want to deal with it, right? You knew the doom and gloom was incoming. So, yeah, to turn that ship around was important. But, hey, I'm excited about this podcast, Preston. Remember when we first started this? It was just you and I talking about Summer League, and we had maybe like five listeners per show. <laughs> uh, I think this is where we insert the the Titanic Rose meme 84 years <laughs> ago. <laughs> I don't know how long we've had this podcast, but it's been at least three years. But yeah, it definitely started with me and you when I was at the Pelican Debrief. And then it was me, me and Kevin Berrios. And then the three of us uh, formed a triumvirate from there. But that was a long time ago. I wonder how many listeners have been with us since that point in time, back when we had five listeners. But yeah, man, it's it's pretty fun to come full circle. Look at how many different iterations the Pelicans have taken mm-hmm. since then. Um, and we'll get right into the game. Uh, of course, we're going to talk about Brandon Ingram. Everybody calm down. We have to talk about Zion first because 15 minutes, 14 minutes, and now all of a sudden he's accelerated up to 25 minutes. He closes the last 420 of the game when the Pelicans desperately needed him. Uh, it was a four-point game following that John Morant uh, three-pointer, I think 97 to 93. He scored the next five points, Ali. How critical was it for the Pelicans to get that momentum pushed back forward uh, when he was reinserted into the lineup? It was everything. You know, the Grizzlies made a run. They stayed close, right, on on the strength of Grace and Allen's three-point shooting in the first half, where the Pelicans only had, what, roughly a seven-point lead, I want to say. But then the, after that intermission, Memphis, like I said, was right there. The Pelicans couldn't break away, even though it felt like they should. But uh, they were missing too many free throws. The offense really wasn't clicking. 
But you know what did work? It was Zion, right? He got himself going. And, and I want to touch on this first. Instance, I felt like he got himself going in that first quarter, that first burst of five minutes where he took seven shots. I remember you commenting to me, this dude's just basically shooting every time he touches it. And I didn't <laughs> have a problem with it. You know, I wanted him to do that, right? Look aggressive. Um, look to be aggressive because, you know, in past these past two games, he just wasn't there, right? The flow wasn't there, all this and that. So might as well just break through that you know, whatever you want to call it, that, that glass door. And, but he did, even though the shot wasn't dropping, even though, you know, at first you were like, Oh my God, where are the hops? He's getting a shot block, but he found it. He got in the nice groove to where in the fourth quarter, man, it didn't look like he had missed any time to me. He was making these great cuts to where either B.I. is hitting him or Drew Holiday's finding him on the baseline. And he's weaving his way along three or in between three Grizzly defenders to an easy hoop. When you like, God, where's the angle? What's he going to do? So, yeah, the Pelicans needed that lift because, as we've remarked all year long, we saw it in that Utah game. They have trouble closing teams out in closing time in those clutch minutes. So when the Pelicans were down, the, their league was down to four, you're like, here we go again. But, nope, here comes Zion. Those five big buckets – or five points, excuse me, helped a lot. And then afterwards, you know, the rest of the team just kind of took over. B.I. had a couple shots, and they cruised to an easy win. So, yeah, I thought, like I said, it was everything circling back here you saw two things the the team closed it out you know in 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 those minutes so now they've got a memory to build on to hang on to for these upcoming five games which you got to think they got to get all of them and of course Zion you felt like he needed that confidence he needed that kind of boost because in those first two games he wasn't able to find it right he was limited in his minutes and when he was out there he just wasn't making an impact so it was a huge, huge, not only victory for the Pelicans, but there are a lot of personal small victories made within this game that I think should serve them well moving forward. Yeah, I definitely want to touch on that point you made about Zion in the first quarter, uh, trying trying to get his, so to speak. And I can't remember specifically when it was, uh, maybe early in the second quarter, he collapsed, uh, and as they always did, three uh, Memphis Grizzlies collapsed around him in the paint, and he kind of lost his dribble, turned around, and everybody was wide open at the three-point line. I can't remember specifically who he hit. I'm assuming it was one of Lonzo Ball or Josh Hart, but he kicked it out to a guy on the wing who was wide open, easy three, and I was thinking, man, once this guy unlocks and gets eyes in the back of his head, he's going to know that that every time he collapsed the defense, he's going to have the whole floor to work with behind him. And really, these Pelicans are going to be unstoppable on the defensive end. I, I want to go back to what you were talking about at the clutch, because uh, I, I wrote about this previously. Obviously, the Pelicans struggle defensively in the clutch. Their uh, net rating or, or defensive net rating is 116, and that's really bad. But I, I think their <laughs> defensive rating throughout the season is probably like 110. So it's not catastrophic. It's just really bad. However, their offensive net rating is 94, which is horrific. It's catastrophically bad. And that's why you really need any creator you can get in those closing five minutes who can go out and get you a bucket when you desperately need one. And that's what Zion did. Uh, now I'm going to throw this back to you because you mentioned Brandon Ingram. Of course, Zion got them kicked off uh, with those five consecutive points. And then Brandon Ingram kind of took over. He hit that 22-foot three-pointer. Then he hit that 18-foot pull-up where I I know he's an all-star caliber player, Ali, but when you've got a guy who's closely contested, who's you know taking a guy one-on-one, Kevin Durant style, settling for the 18-footer, initially you're thinking is, no, no, let's get a better shot. But when Ingram takes it, he seemingly always makes it, Ali. Yeah, and going back to that three-pointer you mentioned first, Antonio Daniels, I don't know which broadcast you watch, but on Fox Sports New Orleans, Antonio Daniels basically like, no, pull it back out or something like that. And B.I. automatically launches that pull-up 
in transition three, and then he makes it. And then all of a sudden, AD is quiet on the broadcast to where I texted, you know, I guess he can't hear you all the way down in Orlando. <laughs> so I, I, you know, I love it. I want to see this team be aggressive rather than just, you know, slowing it down to where they're, they're taking bad shots, right? They're, they're settling for, you know, contested threes or heaven forbid, they keep the possession long enough to that leads to a turnover. Cause that's what has really held this team back often. So it was great to see that it, they, what they finished a the game. I want to say with 14 Memphis was never able to get on a big run because of those Pelicans turnovers. And of course, BI, he, you know, he's an all-star for a reason. And while you want to see him shoot better from the free throw line, you know, that's always going to be a big sticking point for me is when, you know, teams don't perform well, especially the ones that should when you look at their season averages. But, hey, from the field, as you mentioned, this guy can hit any shot, a la Durant. You know, in the first half, we saw a bunch of turnarounds where I made a comment that it looked like MJ, right? Quick turnaround, guys right in his face. You don't see B.I. You see the ball all of a sudden in the air and it's swishing through the rim. And But Ingram can do that because of his length because of his height and length, I should say, and his great touch, he has no problems really getting a shot over, over almost anybody in the league. So that's a weapon. People don't realize that when you have B.I. shooting these shots in the middle of a game, that it actually, I feel like it's a benefit because when it comes down to crunch time, when it comes down to playoff time, offenses don't get those easy points. So you got to get derive it from somewhere in the half court. And if you've watched Kevin Durant at all, that's what he's made a living off of, right? He entered the league. He was very inefficient. But then he, you know, developed his game to where he was that kind of, I'm going to close out all these games. And I don't care if you throw two defenders. I'm going to rise up over you and score and win the, win the game for my team. So I think it's vital that B.I. does continue to pursue this because you need those go-to scores, no matter from where they're shooting it, at, towards the end of games. Like I said, towards winning time. And that's something the Pelicans have got to address. And I hope that, of course, last night is an indication of, that things are about to be a little bit better, at least over these remaining five games. Because Preston, I'm telling you, they're in good possession, right? You look at the standings. You look at who they've got left on the schedule compared to what all the direct opponents that are in the same pack chasing for the eighth and ninth seeds have left. You know, it's not over, right? We were talking doom and gloom 48 hours ago. But now suddenly you, you think the Pelicans have a realistic chance for eighth or ninth. Yeah, definitely. You dropped that uh, stat on uh, Twitter last night. I think the Pelicans trailed the Grizzlies by two and a half games. And as David Fisher tweeted last night, the the Grizzlies' easy part of the schedule is over. Uh, they had three sub-500 opponents to face, and now that's over. Now they're facing all five teams that are above 500. And the Pelicans' uh, schedule is going to get considerably easier. They're going to play the Kings twice. Uh, we're going to talk to somebody later previewing that. They've got the Spurs. They've got the Wizards. They've got the Magic. Uh, so things are really opening up for the Pelicans uh, exactly when they need them to. And we don't have to relive that Los Angeles Clippers game anymore. So let, let me go through it quickly. The The Pelicans trail the Spurs by one win, uh, although they do by two losses. They trail the Trailblazers by, by one game. They're ahead of the Kings by one game. So they're in perfect position as long as they can just handle their business, Ali. And I think win four out of these next five games. Um, you can touch on that if you like, but I want to make sure that we talk about the backcourt because as critical as Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson did, they combined for 47 points on 37 shots. The Pelicans backcourt was just as critical in this one. And I know that Lonzo Ball didn't put up the usual statistics. I think he had just like seven points and six assists. However, Ali, he had four steals 
And Drew Holiday, of course, was Drew Holiday. Uh, he contributed to holding Dylan Brooks and John Morant to, I think, 10 of 34 shooting. Uh, John Morant was particularly quiet until the end, and he played 39 minutes, and he only scored 11 points. Uh, talk about the defensive performance of the guys who who start things up top. Yeah, you're right. We shouldn't leave this game too quickly without touching on, especially Drew Holiday's defense, because it was, as usual, all NBA caliber again. You know, I'm going to... I feel like he's not going to get on the first or second team, right? With the way everybody that's been talking on their candidates that they want to see selected for when the uh, NBA announces all the awards and which players uh, are taken home, which accolades, you just feel like that Drew Holiday is not going to make first or second all-team defense. And that's going to be a shame because this guy proved it yet again last night on what a terror he is. You know, John Morant came into this game um, on fire. Same thing with Jaron jackson that was like their one-two combo even though the grizzlies hadn't won yet here in orlando they were playing pretty decently to where you thought that the win was coming so yet again third game uh on the season against the grizzlies john Morant couldn't do anything and big reason why is drew holiday he's just a fiend he doesn't give you space you think he, you're one of the quickest players right so you think you can get around him at some point but nope drew is cutting off driving lanes like no other and, of course, getting a shot over him isn't easy because he's six foot four and he's got some pretty good hops. So, yeah, John Moran struggled to one of ten shooting from three-point range, couldn't get going really anything to provide that spark for their team. And when you cut off basically the head of the snake, you know, you're going to give yourself a good chance to win even if you don't play your best game. And that's what the Pelicans did yesterday, I felt like. And, yeah, got to give Lonzo some shine, too. And I'm glad you mentioned because not enough people realize when you look at just a stat line, it's not indicative of what they provided. I thought Lonzo did a great job of starting off that game, making sure that pace was there. I was watching his eyes, and he was always looking ahead to hit whoever was racing down the court, whether they were staying next to the rim open or not. He, he was hitting him, and I feel like that is really just necessary component to this offense. Because as you witnessed, my goodness, the Pelicans didn't get any kind of running a lane space in that Utah game. And I thought that killed them. I thought they had just, you know, even forced the issue a little bit run, even after a make, you could probably created some easier points, but they didn't do that. And so that really crushed me because they threw away that game, but they didn't impact or made sure that they would not do the same here against the Memphis Grizzlies. And a big part of it was Lonzo. And yeah. His defense, man, he's got such good hands. He, I think there was a couple of times. I remember in that game pressing where a Memphis Grizzly, uh, was driving or had an open lane to get to the rim, and he was—he suddenly stripped it away. So what looked like a sure two points for Memphis ended up going the other way for New Orleans. So, you know, that's always that's always crucial. So when you got two lockdown defenders on the perimeter, and the Pelicans have been really good, I feel like on the smaller guards in this league this year, it's just the bigger guys that have killed them, right? If they're about six seven or taller, heavier, then yeah, New Orleans doesn't really have. Um, a good option for those guys to slow them down. But anybody small, Drew Hawley has taken care of, and Lonzo Ball has really come a long way. Yeah, definitely. Uh, really great summary. I, I was impressed by Jaron Jackson's game last night. Uh, I think of him <laughs> mainly as a spot-up shooter, but he had no trouble taking Zion uh, off the dribble repeatedly and did so successfully. And although I think he always tends to go to his left hand, I saw him go to his right a fair bit. So if that part of his game expands, uh, he truly could be uh, dangerous. And and that's on me for not watching more Jaron Jackson film. Uh, no, you're I wrong, Preston, because I've watched a lot of Memphis this year, and 
he disappointed me. So I'm guessing he either played hurt or just didn't have the confidence. Because last night I had I had not seen him play much like that all year this year. So I had him on a fantasy team too that I play with, and and he uh, I know that because he upset me because he was always you know producing subpar performances. So I'm glad I don't have to worry about that now because he had a nice game last night. And I would have hated to have cheered for him. I'll cheer for the Pelicans too. Oh God. Those are the screams I used to make when I'd cut myself shaving, you know where. But that was before Manscaped. Thanks, Manscaped, for turning my loud shrieks into multiple peaks. Look, who here doesn't get nervous about grooming their man parts? And that's why Manscaped created the Lawnmower 3.0, beautifully designed to reduce those painful nicks and tugs. The Manscaped engineering team obsesses over technology developments to provide you with the best tools for your family jewels. So many people have written in stories about how the Lawnmower 3.0 has changed their lives. They even included pics so I could see the smoothness for myself. And they aren't kidding. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. As sports keeps coming back, so does your chance to bet on them with our exclusive wagering partner, betonline.ag. Major League Baseball's back and BetOnline has all the odds, futures, and props for you to bet on. Also, tune in as Floyd Money Mayweather joins the BetOnline team in a new segment called The Ice is Right. Visit BetOnline.ag today to check out all the odds and up-to-date sports news. And don't forget to sign up and take advantage of all the welcome back to sports bonuses. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Now we're going to talk about Josh Hart to all our Josh Hart stands out there. He had an incredible game. Uh, we can't say that enough. However, Ollie, we have to look to the future, and then we'll circle back and we'll get some mailbag questions. The Pelicans are facing the Sacramento Kings, and this could not be more important uh, because the Kings play the Pelicans twice, and they need both of these games in order to advance. The Kings are right on their heels as well. The Kings play the Mavericks today at 2.30 uh, Eastern time. And while you think that might be a significant advantage for the Mavericks, the Mavericks are 0-2 in these seeding games. Uh, they lost in overtime to the Rockets, and then they <clears> lost <throat> by two to the Phoenix Suns. So the Mavericks also need this game. So it'll be interesting to see who prevails. But if the Kings <clears throat> excuse me, do manage to walk away with this game, the Pelicans are in a tough spot. They really need to knock these Kings down a peg or two. Uh, the Kings closed the season winning seven of their past ten. De'Aaron Fox is, of course, De'Aaron Fox. Uh, he's the only player. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it's something like 19.7 assists, four rebounds to, to hit those numbers and not earn an all-star nod. Of course, I'm off on those numbers, but I'm just guesstimating. How important uh, the Mavericks play them today, like I said, so the Pelicans do get two days off. Zion said uh, last night, Ali, I finally feel alive again, something uh, along those lines. Jeff Novak posted it. Alvin Gentry uh, played for the Pelicans some of their film before this season. <clears throat> Excuse me, it's morning. You're dying um, over there. I know. I'm getting old, man. Um, <laughs> so anyway, the Pelicans are in a real good spot, but they're coming up against a tough opponent. How important? It seems like every game's must win at this point, Ollie. It is. Yeah, that's why, yeah, you're probably stumbling over your words a little bit because you don't want to diminish who the opponent who they're playing. But look, I'll, I'll be honest with you. The Kings should not scare the Pelicans if they take care of business because they haven't been playing well, especially here in Orlando, right? They lost by something like close to 10 points to the Spurs, I know, and then the Magic just flat out whipped them. So the Kings, who didn't look good in scrimmages, who, you know, everybody was thinking, well, maybe they're going to make some waves. You know, nobody's talking about them enough. Uh, coming down to the bubble, they have not impressed one bit. They, I, they, you know, I've I've only seen a little bit of their games, but I can tell that you know defensively they're not there. You know, and, and their shooters, Buddy Heald may have it one game, but then somebody else is really not clicking. So they look to be like the team that we saw out of the Pelicans these first two games. So, which goes to say that hey, they could suddenly turn around just like New Orleans did last night. 
But I'll tell you what, the Mavericks, you know, they're, they're going to be itching to get a win, Preston. They're so much better than what their record shows. They Because they've been horrible in clutch time, too. They're almost just as bad as New Orleans on the year. And I know that cost them one win already here inside the bubble. So I think the Kings are going to have a tough time beating, you know, a determined Luka. And Kristaps Porzingis, who looks great. You know, he, he's flat out looking like a real deal all-NBA type to me over the last, you know, two, three, four months of the season, going back to, of course, before the coronavirus hit. So, you know, I mean, you don't want to diminish the opponent because, you know, you've got to always play up to your game. But I think the Pelicans should, you know, in theory, with the way we saw them play, which is the way we thought they would be playing, considering that's how they had played towards the end of the season, right? Good defense, getting contributions from a lot of guys that they would be able to ride the two wins over the Kings. Because we all circled them, right? When we went up and down their eight-seeding game schedule, we thought that they were going to be able to get these two wins against the Kings. So I still think that should be on tap. When I look at their schedule, I, I'm, the ones I'm worried about are the Spurs, who obviously are playing much better. You know, before last night's loss, they had won their first two in Orlando. And going small, that's what Coach Pop has decided to do with LaMarcus out. He has decided to put DeMar DeRozan over at the four. And when I watched him, they don't resemble the old Spurs, kind of pounded out, kind of dribble up the court. No, they're pushing it. And they've got now a lot of guys out there on the wings, spread out wide, knocking down threes, where I think they'll be a problem, especially if they're hot for New Orleans. And then, of course, your Magic team, right? That's one that I don't know which way is going to go in the final um, game of that seeding schedule. But, no, the Kings and the Wizards, you just feel like the Pelicans should get them because they're just a much better team. Uh, than both of those teams, especially Sacramento, who we're talking about now. Well, I have to give a shout out to Jonathan Isaac, who tore his ACL uh, such dramatic fashion. I know Terrible. that we, we, we've been focusing on his comments uh, standing during the national anthem, but I, I've spoken him to him numerous times. He's always so friendly. He always daps me. I, I don't know what the expression is, fist bump. He always fist bumps me after every uh, media session we have. Just a really, really nice young man. And I, I can't speak to as his reasoning. He did that uh, for himself uh, in a conversation with Taylor Rooks following that game. So take from that what you will. But just in terms of the quality of man he is, he could not be a kinder gentleman, and I could not be more devastated for him. Uh, but unfortunately, that's a that's a great advantage for the Pelicans because he is such a menace defensively. If anybody's going to shut down Brandon Ingram, you would think it would be a, a player of Jonathan Isaac's ilk. Or even um, Zion, right? We saw the length of Jaron Jackson give Zion problems last night. Yeah, for sure. And Jonas Valanciunas, uh, thank goodness he fouled out uh, after 30 minutes because when he was out there without Derek Favors, I, I thought he was just going to take the Grizzlies on his back and just carry them past the Pelicans. He really got whatever he wanted in the paint. Got It seemed, seemed like he gobbled every rebound that he wanted. But let's go ahead and get to questions, Ali, and then we'll wrap this up. We've got three good ones. And we can circle back to Josh Hart now. But let's start with Finn the Human. Um, this is a great question that that drew ire from me on the Bird Rights handle last night. I love Frank Jackson. I love Nikhil. I love Jackson. I love their upside. I love what they're going to bring us in the future. And I know how critical it is to get them game reps and get them experience. However, Ali, I don't know that this is the right time. If the Pelicans do want to challenge for the playoffs, and I know that David Griffin said like all he wanted was the, the chance for meaningful games and meaningful minutes. And it's great to put those players in that position and get them those reps. However, Ali, if you do want to win, I'm not sure it makes sense to put them in those spots. Finn asks, how'd you like non-Frank getting minutes over Etuan Moore? Yeah, that, that certainly raised an eyebrow for me, especially Nikhil, right? He's been on the lowest uh, man on that totem pole because Etuan and Frank, for most of the season, have gotten ahead of him in the rotation and come in, of course, in the games. 
but nope, that, that changed for whatever reason. Maybe Nikhil had a couple more good practices or maybe Alvin saw some, but I personally didn't have a problem with Nikhil's um, minutes last night. You know, he didn't do anything, but you know what's surprising is when you see him play for five minutes, he doesn't even attempt a shot. You, you wonder if that was really Nikhil out there in uniform because, uh, <laughs> as we know, this guy's a gunslinger. But, look, I, I thought he was actually in the right places defensively. He was making the right plays to where he kept the ball moving on offense. Um, so I didn't really, like I said, have a problem. So it was a surprise that Alvin then switched it up in the second half and went to Frank, but only for two minutes. No, the biggest problem I had was Jackson. Jackson Hayes was just terrible yesterday. And it's a shame because he had actually played pretty well, especially by his standards, in those first two games that the Pelicans lost. But last night, man, everything he did resulted either in a turnover or a personal foul. I felt like he had a couple good efforts once he got on the free throw line. But for the most part, yeah, he was, he was a big negative out there. And that's a problem for this team, man. Where is Alvin supposed to go when Derek sits down and they need to go to somebody big? And so he has turned to Jackson three straight games. And it is just shock to me that we haven't seen Julio Okafor at all. Um, you know, I know that they always want to push the pace, but say against the Utah to where they do slow it down to where we've seen Julio actually have a couple good games on the year, really good games against slower footed centers. So I thought that would have been a good opportunity to play him against the Jazz. But of course, we didn't see him. And again, last night, we didn't see him when, like I said, Jackson was so terrible that the, Alvin didn't even go to him in the second half choosing rather to either put uh, Zion at center or go to Melly, who I thought had a decent game. And it was good to see him actually take a couple shots, make a couple good passes, because he he had been awfully quiet too. But yeah, that's a problem, Preston. Behind Derek Favors, you know, that, that's an issue. But to go back to that question, I don't have a big issue about at least tossing the youngsters out there, because that's what this season I felt, feel like it's always been about, this development. It's to, you know, get these guys familiar with the NBA game. So, yeah, if you see bad minutes, I, I, I wouldn't mind Alvin. Go ahead and, and give it another run. But if they don't perform, whoever it is, yank them out. You don't have to play them the rest of the game because you have other options. But, yeah, it's, it's a curious thing to ponder. Maybe we'll say for another pod on why each one more didn't play because I didn't really think about that. You just asked me, but you're right. It was weird that he was a no-show considering how well he had been playing, right, going back to the scrimmages. Well, he struggled against Los Angeles Clippers. I remember specifically when he was inserted into the late, game. And he, but before, yeah, late, yeah. but before that, remember, we were talking no, totally. about the bench. Yeah, Moore looked good, Hart looked good, Reddick looked good before that bad third, fourth quarter. I think what Joel Myers and Antonio Daniels uh, remarked on um, during the telecast, and Antonio said this before, garbage minutes matter. And sometimes when you perform well in garbage minutes, the coach is going to give you a shot in the next game. And I think that's specifically what happened because against the Clippers, Etwan Moore wasn't good, but nobody was good. But you brought in the bench unit, Frank Jackson, Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Things started clicking. There was a rhythm. They got it to within 20, which isn't saying much, but it, the, the, I think the quarter started at 40. So they did play mm -hmm. well in those garbage minutes. I do want to talk about Nicolo Melli quickly. Um, I know I shouted him out on the – on Twitter last night because he passed up open a wide open perimeter three. And then on the next ensuing possession, he took an above the break three, which was like four feet um, beyond the line. And he was contested too. And I was like, what is he doing? I think he's making up for not taking that last shot. But was that where the shot clock was going down? No, it was early okay. on the shot clock within like I eight seconds. Or, I think he just like, 
the guys were being so good natured in the second quarter, like you said, uh, Nikhil Alexander Walker passing up shots. I think everybody was trying to move the ball so much that they were passing up really good looks. And I saw uh, Kevin comment on that as well. However, I think he's been playing really well. You're not going to confuse him with a rim protector, uh, but he made that terrific bounce pass. I can't remember who it was. I think it was to JJ Redick, uh, possibly, but man, it was a lightning bounce pass uh, and hit him Mm -hmm. in stride. Got an easy two. So I think he's played pretty well. Let's let's get to the questions and let's continue that line of thinking, Ali, because it's it's the same struggle the Pelicans had during the regular season, the bench. Of course, Josh Hart's great. Of course, J.J. Redick is going to get buckets. However, he's going to give them up as well. But in that second quarter, uh, Ali, or we took that 11-point lead. I think it was 21 to 10. And then we put in the bench, and then it seemingly all fell apart. Doris Burke Stan account says, how do we rotate and keep the energy up? Do we prioritize starters for the Spurs game? And I want to mention one other thing before I let you go, Ali. Um, the end of the third quarter, Alvin Gentry went with an all-bench lineup. What was your thought behind that? Mm, yeah, I'll get to that in a second. But as far as the energy, I feel like the Pelicans are blessed. They have two high-energy guys that uh, do it in different ways. And that, of course, is Josh Hart and J.J. Redick. With J.J., as soon as he comes in, he's going to draw the defensive, uh, the opponent's focus because of the way he runs around the court, he's always keep, he's always on the move. So you can't slow down, but you got to keep an eye on him. You got to stay with him at all times. Cause if he gets a crack of space. He's going to be shooting that three and knocking it down on you. So that's how he, I feel like provides energy. Cause he, he's just, he's just like almost a water bug out there for me. Right. He's always moving around, finding all those seams and holes. And before you know it, he's got 15, 16 points off the bench. As for Josh, I love the way, at, 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 as, as a guard, you know, he's kind of an undersized six foot five. Um, he crashes the boards hard. And then, of course, he's always looking then to immediately run. And I asked him about that after the game. He's like, that's what I kind of like I do, right? I, I cause the mayhem or the chaos um, to where, you know, he wants to push that pace. And even though we've seen he gets out of control sometimes, more oftentimes than not, I think it's a benefit to where he is. He's grabbing the board, pushing it up, and then it's leading either – directly for to a hoop for himself or somebody else. And I know that happened several times yesterday. So it's great that the Pels have those guys. I feel like in most games, they have been okay when they've both been healthy and able to play, I feel like, on the season. But, yeah, I think in general, the problem with not being able to have that consistent energy is because the Pelicans don't have, you know, like a Reggie Jackson, like, like a six, you know, or I should, excuse me, like a backup point guard slash shooting guard, right? who can suddenly create momentum all on their own. Because J.J., while he can play in a pick and roll, use a dribble sometimes, he's not a guy that's going to be leading an offense ever or initiating being the primary playmaker. And, of course, neither is Josh Hart. And, of course, that's also the problem for when you have Frank Jackson with those guys, right? You don't have a legitimate guy who you feel comfortable running the offense. So I think that's why I actually was happy with Nikhil getting minutes yesterday because I think he's the key to unlocking some more of that potential of the bench to keep that energy and momentum and dynamic play that you want to see that stems from the stars because of how, you know, great they are as a unit, how well they fit together and how many different things they can do. So, yeah, I mean, energy is going to come and go with games, but I think the Pelicans are going to be okay for the most part because they got two solid veterans to, you know, basically rely on. Uh, trying to remember the second part of that question. Can you remind me, Preston? Yeah. Um, should we prioritize starters for the Spurs games? Basically, ever since we started this, uh, David Griffin and Alva Gentry have been slowly ramping up every guy's minutes, not named Brandon Ingram or Drew Holiday. Right. 
However, Ali, it's it's time to play these games to win. It's time to get everybody playing like 30 minutes a game, except for Derek Favors, who typically is around like 25 to 28. Is it time to start ramping up everybody's minutes? Oh, yeah. I mean, game one, we saw the Utah Jazz, all their stars played 30 minutes or more, right? I think a lot of guys were around 35-minute barrier. So, you know, Lonzo and Drew, I know, played big minutes yesterday, both in the mid-30s. And you've got to think, you know, Zion's going to be not far behind if he doesn't have any setbacks, right, physically from putting in 25 minutes. And it sure didn't seem like he would, right, with especially his interview and postgame that you alluded to. Yeah, they're going to have to rely on the guys. And I always felt like, right, when we were doing all these podcasts well before the team even went to Orlando, I always felt like that Alvin would shorten his rotation, go to the guys he trusts, because these are all like playoff games. And now with the Pelicans, you know, unfortunately their backs up against the wall having those two losses. And I feel like they got to, they need to win out, Preston, to give themselves a real good realistic chance at eight or nine. They're going to have to win all these remaining games. I know you said four or five, but I just feel like there's going to be a team or two that's above them that's going to, you know, despite their difficult schedules, they're going to still win more games than they lose. And of course, that's going to be a problem for New Orleans to overtake them unless they go a perfect 5-0 and here on out. All right, Ollie. This has been the first time we've done this, just the two of us, and I can't remember when. And you went one question after another for probably the better part of half an hour, if not 35 minutes. So uh, kudos to you. Thank you, sir, for your time and being so generous with it, especially in the morning. You wrote the recap last night. You're on the radio all the time. Uh, what else do you want to chat about with our listeners? Just don't make me do the Manscaped commercial. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll, I'll, I'll take that one. Although David's was was quite legendary. And I think I might put that one on loop. However, I'm giggling like a schoolgirl in the background. So we might have to do it, uh, make him do it again for <laughs> us. Uh, but thank you to our listeners. You guys can follow him at Ali Cosell. I'm at Preston Ellis. And we'll keep writing. I'll, I'll try to get uh, Ali to let me write up the, the game preview for this Kings game. Ali, are you going to be able to watch a game at noon Central Time? Oh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I, I've changed around my work schedule and stuff to make sure I don't miss a single game. And look, I, I think this is fun, right? We love Summer League to death. And of course, most of the reasoning for that is because you get to be in Las Vegas. We're hanging out and stuff. But I, I, like, I just like this vibe, right? This kind of NCAA vibe you get where it almost I know the teams aren't getting knocked out after a single loss. But again, it's different. And it's, it's just, I don't know, makes for a great time when you got basketball on all day so you can flip to it whenever you get a free chance. And I, personally, I would like to see the NBA integrated somehow. So let me I'll, I'll basically give you a full answer on that question, depending on whether the Pelicans win or lose, right? Yeah, that's fair. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, make sure you listen to Harden the Paint and Believe in the Pelicans as well. If you haven't already, share our podcast, rate it on iTunes, take everybody's phones that you know, and make sure to wipe them down after. Uh, the coronavirus is still a very real concern. Uh, but do it safely and then give us that five-star rating. For now, let's dance and let's go Pelicans. for listening to the bird calls on the armchair all-american network if you like what you're hearing please take a moment to rate us on itunes retweet share with your friends and most importantly subscribe black today. lives matter and we're continuing to do our part here at the bird calls that's why we've created the armchair all-american scholarship thanks to contributions from armchair myself music is my refuge r anders 36 andrew juge ralph malbro and many more armchair media will be issuing four $500 scholarships per semester to aspiring black creatives. The criteria is African-American, under 21, and in a creative field. 
To apply, send something you've created, whether photography, art, music, anything, to scholarship at armchairallamericans.com. We can't wait to see your application. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So, do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.